Good evening and welcome to Money Matters. My name is Charlie Huntington and I am Public Relations Chairperson for Life Sciences PA. Life Sciences PA is the voice of advancement for Pennsylvania's bioscience, medical device, CRO, and healthcare IT industries. Tonight, we continue our special series on science leaders in our local community. I want to remind our viewers that from time to time, financial issues relating to life sciences, healthcare, or technology matters, or companies may be discussed on the show. These discussions are not and should not be viewed as financial advice. Moreover, since this program is pre-recorded and shown at a later date, please keep in mind that the information may no longer be current. You should always check with your financial advisor before entering into any financial transaction. I'm pleased to have with me as my co-host, Kimmen Hatza. Kimmen is a business attorney and partner at Growth Council LLC in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. His focus is in the life sciences, healthcare, and information technology areas. Welcome, Kimmen. Thanks, Charlie. Happy to be here. Kimmen, would you tell our viewers what's new with your practice and what you've been seeing within the industries we just mentioned since our last show, please? Sure, absolutely. Um, uh, surprisingly, I guess, in these extraordinary times, uh, Growth Council has been pretty steady. Uh, we've been working largely remotely, I think, since probably the middle of March, but the uh, workflow has been good. Uh, a lot of transactions uh, in-house, mergers and acquisitions, a lot of financing transactions, and general corporate transactional work, um, really across industries, but focusing on my own practice, uh, since March, uh, it's been uh, actually an extraordinary amount of work. We, uh, I closed a, um, uh, the sale of a, of a health IT company right at the end of March. And then on the heels of that started um, two series seed rounds for early stage companies, one that's a medical device company and the other that has technology that uh, has an extraordinary new treatment for, uh, for folks with certain mental health disorders. And most recently, uh, I'm in the process of assisting a um, life sciences consulting firm in connection with a merger and another uh, life sciences consulting firm that's just beginning the process of a sale. So it's been uh, extraordinarily steady in the life sciences space and I'm very pleased with that. As you know, it's near and dear to my heart and yours. So that's what's been going on. Thanks, Kimmon. For questions to be answered on a future show, here's how you do it. You can have your questions answered on Money Matters. Please go to our website, money-matters-tv.com. On our homepage, click on the banner on the right that says, Send Us Your Questions. While you're on our website, you can find information about our host and guests, as well as show notes and links about this show and past shows. Money Matters is also available as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, so you can listen to Money Matters while you're on the go. That website address, again, is money, M-O-N-E-Y-Matters, M-A-T-T-E-R-S, tv.com. It's with great pleasure that I would like to introduce Chris Malaro. Chris is CEO and co-founder of Neuroflow, a Philadelphia-based health and analytics company closing the digital divide in behavioral health. 
Mr. Malara founded Neuroflow in April of 2016. He's a graduate of West Point where he was an engineering major. After West Point, he was a field art he was a field artillery officer, a US Army lieutenant where he led 280 missions in Iraq and was awarded a bronze star. Chris has an MBA from the Wharton School. Prior to Neuroflow, he worked at Graham Partners in McKinsey and was a board member for Insight, which runs a two-year leadership development program focused on entrepreneurship, technology, and venture capital. Earlier this October, Chris and Neuroflow were awarded Entrepreneur of the Year Award by Ernst & Young. Chris, tremendous accomplishments. Thank you for your service and welcome to the show. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Chris, what about your time in the military prompted you to get into this business? Um, I mean, it, in the military, we, we tend to tackle big problems and failure is not an option when, when you're tackling those. Quite literally, you'll be on a mission and anything you can imagine goes wrong and uh, you have to get out of it and figure out a way, uh, regardless of the circumstances. Uh, in the military, I, um, I was witness and, and had soldiers in my platoon that um, struggled with uh, with you know, sleep issues, trauma-related issues from deployment, the disparities in mental health care became so clear, it, it was ridiculous. It was the, the primary care provider would be treating chronic back pain because of an IED explosion or something like that, and would also assess someone for depression. No surprise, they were either having sleep issues or depression or PTSD, and rarely did people ever follow up with that mental health care aspect of their, of their medical care. Was and, and no one ever followed up with it. Um, that's more the rule than the exception in these cases. Most people um, fall through those cracks, um, and it can it can just lead to worse outcomes. And in worst cases, uh, people lose their lives. Um, I lost a soldier in my unit that took his own life, and to this day, that's my biggest leadership failure. And when we dug into it, when I was in business school quickly became clear that this isn't just a military and veteran issue, but over 40 million people a year struggle with diagnosable mental health issues and don't get the care they need. And so that it's been my mission ever since getting out of the army uh, to help bridge that divide. Thanks, Chris. Well, tell us about Neuroflow and describe your service, please. Sure. I mean, I, my four years at West Point and then five and a half years afterwards, um, getting to serve in uniform and lead with soldiers and, uh, and fight alongside them was the biggest honor of my life. I had one 12-month deployment, um, and which compared to a lot of my friends, colleagues, and mentors um, is, is minuscule compared to their multiple deployments and 20 plus years of service. Um, so when I transitioned out, uh, Neuroflow uh, is is what I like to say my my next uh, you know tour of duty. We get to we we do work with the Department of Defense with the VA and and veterans uh, in the commercial setting. And so what Neuroflow does is it uh, we work with providers, primary care providers typically, and other specialists like pain management providers to help integrate mental health assessments and treatment planning into their workflow so that somebody that's in a primary care setting doesn't go uh, undiagnosed, 
And then if, the, if they are identified, um, they, their referral is not lost. It's called the lost referral. I, I send someone to a therapist, they leave my office, and then no one ever really knows what happens. They don't go to therapy, they don't fill their antidepressant, um, and things, things end up spiraling out of control. And so NeuroFlow engages those patients in between appointments, collecting all sorts of types of data, uh, patient reported outcomes, validated assessments, um, activity level data, runs that through an AI algorithm to create a risk profile so that providers um, are empowered to treat the right patients at the right time with the right uh, protocols. Great. So you're, you're a B2B company. Can you tell us who your ideal clients are, please? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we're actually, so there's a B2B to C component. So we, um, the Neuroflow platform uh, has engagement tools for individuals, but it's completely free to individuals. Um, they have to be invited uh, by a provider or by a health plan that they're a member of. Um, so we, we partner with health systems and health plans, uh, typically those that are in value-based kind of care arrangements. So your ACOs, um, your uh, Medicare Advantage programs, uh, and those sorts of uh, settings because the, the evidence is astounding. The amount of um, increase the cost of care behavioral health conditions cause. So if you effectively help the psychosocial aspect of people's health, not just, so if I'm struggling with chronic lower back pain, if I focus just on the chronic lower back pain, I'm only going to see um, a certain level. My, my results are going to be capped. If I focus on their sleep issues too, and maybe their underlying depression and anxiety um, and treat the whole patient, not just the symptoms related to the lower back, you'll see improved outcomes and overall lower cost of care, ultimately getting those patients better faster. And so we, we sell to the, um, the providers in value-based care arrangements with, um, with payers. Makes sense. Um, Chris, how are you uh, currently being funded at Neuroflow? Well, we just started, um, it was, we originally were seeded in 2016 and we were funded by, um, by grant money. So research grant money. Um, I, my co-founder of the company, Adam Pardis, is a, I met him in his bioengineering PhD program. We received some funding through the National Science Foundation, uh, other uh, business, small business type grants in the local Philadelphia region uh, to seed it to get to a point where we can prove a hypothesis. Um, then in 2017, we raised some seed capital from local angels and Ben Franklin Technology Partners uh, here in Philadelphia. Um, and, and to date, we've raised other venture capital money. So we, we just closed a Series A round in December of last year from the West Coast Silicon Valley firm uh, that has a lot of healthcare expertise and, and, um, and fueling our growth with their venture capital funding. Um, of course, you didn't start this. I didn't start this business to just get venture capital funding. That's a means to an end. Uh, so today, we're expanding our growth profile with with generating revenue. Um, so our 2017 was our first year we generated revenue. We've grown 10x revenue year over year um, since then, and, and we'll do that same 2020 compared to 2019. Um, you have proprietary intellectual property. Yeah. So the, so yes and no. So I, I 
talk to providers all the time and I say, look, we're not reinventing the wheel in a lot of respects. We're not creating new treatment uh, rules of treatment. So best the best practices aren't being reinvented by us. We're taking what is already considered clinical standards and just digitizing them to make them more accessible and scalable for them. So we're not suggesting to a primary care provider or a therapist to treat someone's depression differently. Um, we're helping them identify that using technology. Um, so it's just, it's not reinventing the wheel, it's just repackaging the wheel. Um, what is proprietary are our um, patient engagement techniques and the, the data analytics that we have on the back end to risk stratify that patient. And you know, our engagement numbers are um, best in the class in the industry. You would expect, you know, you see patient portals and the electronic health records or, or any of these sort of apps. Um, there are single digit percentages sometimes, like a, a health system's happy if they get eight, nine, 10% of their patients to, to use it, uh, let alone register for it. Um, our engagement numbers are well over 75% of patients um, engage with the tool month over month, um, and that stays over 50% after six months. And, and the, that N is not small. We're, we're supporting under contract today to support over 300,000 patient lives throughout the country. And so the techniques and the data analytics and how we do that and achieve that uh, is proprietary. Okay. So in light of that, um, what sort of approvals, if any, um, do you require from the FDA or any other regulatory bodies? It's a good question. I think, so first we have to understand what the FDA is regulating in the first place. The FDA regulates treatment protocols and diagnostics. So treatment protocol could be a drug, it, it could be a, um, a, you know, a digital therapeutic and a diagnostic is uh, is a tool to, to support the provider in actually diagnosing an illness. So any of the you know, COVID-19 tests today that are diagnosing COVID-19, those need to be approved by the FDA. Um, so it really comes down to what you're claiming. Neuroflow is not a treatment. Again, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're not saying use Neuroflow to treat depression and we're not diagnosing it. In other words, we're not saying to a doctor, uh, Neuroflow's data will tell you empirically if someone has depression or not. What we do is we support the provider in their clinical decision making and then engage the patient throughout that treatment plan and their, their treatment journey. Um, so the FDA classifies that as a clinical decision support tool and mobile medical application, which are typically exempt from needing to go through the, the full FDA approval type uh, situation. Um, so that's an important distinction. I mean, if we in the future want to go down the route of claiming we could actually diagnose depression um, or treat it uh, in a new innovative way, uh, then that changes that equation for us. Um, that being said, we are dealing with patient data, very sensitive um, patient identifiable, health identifiable data. Um, and so we need to be regulated under the, the policies related to HIPAA and other like data security, privacy sort of rules of, of engagement. So we don't, um, you know, we don't sell data to advertisers saying, you know, here's Kimmins data, he scored positive on depression and we'll sell that to a depression pharmaceutical company, for example. So no, none of that can happen. Uh, we have to encrypt our, our data with, with very strict protocols that go through um, different, I think we're up to like 170 
technical and policy-driven controls under the HIPAA laws. I was going to say, it sounds like NeuroFlow is following me closely during this, um, <laughs> my quarantine. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so uh, in light of that, in light of not having to go through, you know, phase one, two, and three clinical trials, which for a lot of companies in the life sciences space, particularly those, for example, in the pharmaceutical space, where it could take seven to 10 years to get from an idea, you know, to the market, um, NeuroFlow should be really able to get to the market at a much, you know, shorter time frame, which should, you know, which can give you probably a leg up on a lot of early stage companies that don't have that advantage. And it could probably, I would think, be more attractive to investors as well. Frankly, if we don't do that, it'll be too late. And we, we would have ended up building something that would not be used and wouldn't be useful to our partners, which are those providers in those health systems. You know, the, the provider workflow is incredibly complex. Uh, they're asked to do so much different things throughout just their time with a patient and then throughout their day. Um, if we were to build this tool and say, here, use this, it, you know, the, it, what I like to tell our team is we can't take the field of dreams approach, which is build it and they will come. Uh, through, we had to build this with their direct feedback and with their um, kind of with their approval throughout the process saying, I would use that, I wouldn't do that. And the only way that you really get that true and honest feedback is testing it in the market and you know, getting betas going and, uh, and pilots going as quickly as possible. Um, and, and that's what we've been able to do since 2016. Uh, we piloted this with a few clinics and providers and, um, and were able to adjust relatively quickly so that today when we're supporting, uh, you know, over 2000 providers across the country, um, it, it fits seamlessly into their workflow. Um, and, and we got that right from the beginning. Has, has COVID impacted um, the focus on mental health and mental health treatment? <sighs> yeah, I, mean, I think COVID has affected everything. Um, yeah, you, you alluded to, uh, um, to it earlier. Behavioral health by itself is more um, more relevant than ever because of the struggles with with COVID nineteen. People are quarantined, um, isolation, and, and uh, loneliness, anxiety around like um, quality of life and job security, or your health or your loved one's health. I mean, all of these things are, are huge factors that are serious. Um, but then also, remote care is more relevant. I mean, if if you um, need support, you can't just go to the hospital. You can't go to the health system. You can't go to your provider like you normally would. Um, and what Neuroflow is really enabling is that remote monitoring and assessments in mental health space. Um, so the, because we're collecting that data, because we can assess our population in a secure and private manner, during, the COVID, uh, during this COVID period, we've been able to actually see a huge uptick in the usage of the tools and of the depression numbers. I mean, from March to April, um, depression amounts measured through the platform more than doubled. And the, uh, the buttons to click access a therapist and watch a mindfulness video and do breathing exercises more than doubled in the same time frame. Uh, you know, which, which I, frankly I think is good news too. So if you think, hey, these people are struggling, they're, they're having 
uh, I'm in my office today just because I can't work from home every day of the week for my own mental health. And you know, if you acknowledge that, you say, okay, I, I need to get some sort of support. If you see the numbers of usage of an app like ours double, it's encouraging that people are, are seeking out that support and engaging with it. Um, can, can you explain to our viewers how improving mental health treat, uh, treatment isn't just you know, good for the patient, but it's a smart business decision for the industry generally? It is, and I think it's, it's also uh, important to level set on the prevalence of mental health. Because there's mental health, there's diagnosable mental health issues, like if you're diagnosed with depression, but you don't need to be diagnosed with major depressive disorder, for example, to have mental health still affect uh, your quality of life and outcomes. I mean, we all have tough days or we're all, uh, we have times where we're more anxious than other times. There'd be nights where you, you don't sleep as well as you do other nights. And those are all, you know, under the umbrella of, of mental health, of psychosocial aspects of your overall well-being. And for the longest time, it's always been treated a, uh, I'm gonna get my physical health treated in one spot, and then I'm gonna somewhere else get treated, you know, someplace entirely different, and I'm not gonna talk about it related to my mental health. And finally, we're recognizing that body is connected and one affects the other. If you're having a tough day and you're depressed, that's gonna affect the outcomes of your physical medicine. And the cost of care is driven way, way up when you don't account for it that way. Um, and so health systems and health plans have been getting smart of integrating that care together, of actually co-locating behavioral health specialists with primary care providers. And so from a business standpoint, um, primary care providers, pain management specialists, they can actually get paid more for doing that. There's re new reimbursement codes that have come out that Neuroflow supports as well. Um, and the, you're driving the cost of care down. So the you could run um, these systems more efficiently um, to provide better care. Okay, thank you. Chris, you promote your company's values on Neuroflow's website, and I'm just gonna list those for our viewers. Number one is dare to be great, have a healthy disregard for the impossible, move fast and decisively with courage, communicate openly and often, embrace a yes mentality and lead with proposals, make complex and powerful things simple and beautiful, own the whole product and be customer obsessed, be on a mission to build social value, strive for personal excellence and holistic self-improvement, learn and adapt because there is always a way. Tell our viewers how these values came about and how you use them corporately. I love hearing you uh, read those out, Charlie. It, it, it pumps me up and to hear those. Um, I mean, look, I, to be honest, every company has values, uh, you know, not worded exactly like that, but they all have values on their website or hanging on their wall in their office. Um, and obviously it's no different in this case, but the values only really mean anything if you act on it and you do stuff with that, if you espouse those values every day. And, and we try, and, and as a company, we generally try to do that. I, I get chills um, when I hear, uh, you know, we're close to 50 employees now, but it's more than double the size that we were last year. And so when I hear one of our new employees or our old employees um, kind of in the background, citing those values to each other as they're providing feedback to one another or they're creating a proposal, um, 
I think it's evidence that it's truly ingrained and in, in taking shape and it's a part of our foundation at Neuroflow. And so with, the, with those values, I mean, it's the, the challenge is we, we're trying to do something that is impossible, changing healthcare, something that hasn't changed in the last, you know, especially mental health care hasn't changed in the last 50 years. And then healthcare system, this big, huge conglomerate um, is slow to move and slow to change, has policies, has laws and legal regulations. Um, and the, so to have this aspect of daring to be great or um, have a disregard for the impossible helps drive us and our innovative mentality. And um, frankly, the fact that failure in this case is not an option because people need the support today more than ever and these values keep us kind of true to that, even when, even when we have those tough days or those tough weeks when you lose a deal, or you, uh, you know, you're just things are not going exactly according to plan. You go back to those values, and, and uh, it anchors you to what, how you uh, operate and execute. Back, back to your company. Um, who are your competitors, Chris? Well, our biggest competitor, frankly, is the standard of care today. It's change management of that healthcare system. It's educating providers that um, accounting for mental health is important. And fortunately today, that's becoming less and less of a barrier. More people are acknowledging that. But then it's, okay, great, we're acknowledging it. What do you do now? And how can you do it without it being too burdensome? And today, mostly, if a provider is doing a mental health assessment. Um, hopefully they are. And so if they are, they're typically doing it on paper and pen or when you're just in the clinic visiting. Um, so it's it's change management and it's getting health systems to see there's this is the right thing for the patient. It's the right thing for me to provide better care. And if we do it right, if we do it scalably, it could be the right thing for our bottom line from a business standpoint. It's great. So give us, uh, give our viewers your vision of, uh, and I should tell you, we have about two minutes left. What is your vision as to what the company might look like in five years in terms of how would you gauge success? Well, I'll tell you what, um, 300,000 patient lives under contract today. I'm incredibly proud of that number. Um, you know, from a company that just started four years ago and uh, launched our first pilot three years ago, um, that's a, that's a big number for us, but 300,000 is really only a sliver of the number of people in this country that could benefit from this type of support. Um, just talk about diagnosable mental health conditions. You're talking 40 to 50 million people on an annual basis in the United States. Um, and that's not accounting for the other chronic conditions and psychosocial elements. So we don't want to rest. We don't want to stop until this is accessible and engaged by everybody that could benefit from it uh, across the country in every health system. And that's working with the Department of Defense, the VA, um, going back to my roots in the military, right? And then uh, the commercial settings as well. Um, so in five years, I think we'll, we'll be a hopefully a smarter company, a bigger company, and, and have more partners across the country. That's great. Chris? Kim and I really appreciate you joining us this evening. Um, I want to thank you for being a great guest. I also want to thank my co-host, Kim and Hatza. Uh, Kim and thank you.
I, I'm pleased to see that uh, Larry Bird and, and Julia Serving didn't get into another <laughs> altercation over your shoulder. I should shoulder have hidden there. that, shouldn't I? No, you shouldn't. No, that needs to be in the forefront. Any great Philadelphian <laughs> loves to see that. But it does look like Larry literally has the upper hand. So, um, All right. Thank you, viewers, for tuning in again. Uh, I want to remind our, our viewers that our next guest is David Donald. David is CEO of PeopleShare. They're a, a local staffing powerhouse in our area. Um, thanks again for tuning in and good night.